0: Welcome to the GTI Tours Podcast. Join us as we go behind the scenes and discuss with trip leaders, guides, biblical scholars, and more to bring the land and the lessons of the Bible to life. Hello, and welcome to the GTI Tours Podcast. My name is Rich, and I'm going to be your host today as we dive into the land and the lessons of the Bible. And one of my favorite things is talking to people who are in Israel. Everybody knows that, everybody knows how much we love the land of Israel. And we are bringing back on the show somebody who is no stranger to our podcast, but all the way from Jerusalem over in Israel at the Jerusalem University College is Dr. Oliver Hersey, who's going to be on our show. And we're going to be chatting about Israel, what things are like right now over there, because he's a person who's there all the time. But we're also going to step into a couple of new things that they're going to be offering uh, class-wise, I think people might want to take advantage of, and then we're going to finish off the time on a topic that is convicting to me every time I'm in Israel, because I don't always do this very well. But it is the topic of Shabbat, so should be an exciting time. And I'm glad you're with us for this. And so, uh, Dr. Hersey, thanks for joining the show.
1: It's great uh, to be back. Thank you for the invite, Rich. It's always a joy to. To talk with you. And one day we're going to do it in person as we were just talking about our paths will cross when you come back to Israel uh, here in the near future. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I always enjoy jumping on this podcast.
0: Yeah, I was just over in Israel. We were going back and forth trying to get some hangout time, but it is busy, busy, busy season. Uh, I was over there running two different uh, tours, helping run some tours and and, uh, everything is just busy. So let's let's use that as a segue into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Israel right now, Jerusalem? Like, you know, some of the past times you and I have talked, we've been in the midst of a pandemic. But from my perspective, things seem back to pretty much normal. What are your thoughts?
1: I I sometimes forget that there are places in the world still today that are that are managing the pandemic. My wife just recently flew back uh, from the U S and she went through Canada and she was on a flight from Canada back to Israel and she had to wear her face mask the whole time. And it's, it's strange. Yeah. And it's strange because in Israel you walk around, no one's wearing their mask. And it does feel like the, uh, anxiety around the pandemic has really lifted and, and blown away a bit. And I think part of it is the pandemic has gotten weaker and in its strength. And I think, People have just accepted the fact that it's here, and it's something that to be managed. But for all intent and purposes, Israel is open. It is packed. It is hot. As we film <laughs> this, uh, as we record this right now, we are approaching uh, Yom Kippur, mm-hmm. and that is a very solemn day in Israel. So the streets are busy with people getting ready for that. We are in the high holiday season. Right after Yom Kippur comes Sukkot, and it is a season of of both solemn reflection during Yom Kippur, and then also celebration and joy during Sukkot. And it's busy. People are out and about, and groups are in the land. It uh, It's really throbbing, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to see.
0: And just a little bit of a shout out, if you haven't listened to our podcast that we just released on the High hol- Holidays, uh, Holy Holidays, we would very much say, go check that out. If you talk about Rosh Hashanah, we talk about Yom Kippur and we talk about Sukkot. So just a little bit of a a plug to that. Uh, But I, but I'm with you. Like I was just there and I was amazed at how, how busy it was, how cafes were full again. Um, We were waiting in lines to get into things, which I know nobody likes to hear that, but in some ways that made me really happy because it means people are back. Uh, all the shops are open again. It was pretty great. Like I, know, it, I really enjoyed it.
1: It's, it's really great. I mean, for anybody listening, who's been in the old city before for two years, those shopkeepers didn't have any business coming in and it's amazing. And, and some of them had to close their stores. It's amazing to me that some did not. And it's been, uh, uh it's been exciting to see them have their business back with all of the tourism and students who are back in the land. So it's all very good things for many people in the economy. Uh, as they just they need to make a living and, and get by. So I, I'm, I'm happy, and I think people are happy in general here. The car horns are hon- honking all the time in <laughs> Jerusalem. That's how you know it's back to normal. When the car horns are going and the cranes, the cranes are swinging around, it's Israel's national bird. So you got the, the cranes national
0: bird. building, building uh,
1: <laughs> buildings and infrastructure and horns honking because people just are in a hurry and uh, just need to get going, so.
0: What's the uh, the status for you guys with the school? Are you back to full enrollment? I, I know that those were some tough times. You just It was hard to navigate everything during those couple of years.
1: Yeah. So we have currently on campus a group of long-term students who are either here studying for a semester abroad from schools like Wheaton or Olivet or Messiah. They're undergrad students. And then we also have a group of students who are here doing their MA degree work Uh, They'll be here for two years, most of them. Some of them decide to do a double MA, so they opt for a third year. Why not? And so this semester, all in all, we have 35 students, and we're looking to have about the same in the spring. Uh, Our hope and our prayer, that's about average for us. That's about average for us. Our hope and and prayer, my desire is to see uh, more students come from universities uh, either to do a semester abroad or to begin an m a because i believe uh i really do i believe rich that we have such an awesome school it's an amazing school with with faculty who are top notch and excited to be here and teaching our students and it's uh it's truly a remarkable journey for for people of all ages i mean we had a student last year who was seventy four this year we have some students who are in their their fifties. Uh, as well as all the way down to students who are just turning 21. So it's a unique, diverse group of students age-wise, as well as students from all around the world. We have a student from Japan here, a student from China, uh, a student from Canada, um, a lot of Americans. uh, But I just took an application for a Brazilian uh, student. And so we have students coming from the globe, which excites me because this is about kingdom work. It's about training Christian leaders to make an impact for the gospel. And uh, they they come here, their eyes are open, their ears are unplugged, they hear the Lord, they learn about the land and understand scripture in its context. And they just launch out of here, ready to do some some awesome ministries.
0: Well, let's jump in a little bit and talk about what you guys have to offer. Because I, I think one of the fun things is I, I keep hearing from, from different people associated with GTI and with the podcast that uh they've appreciated knowing ways that they can dig deeper and you guys have been offering courses and you've been offering courses online which I think is a really cool thing too that's kind of come out of the pandemic is you've made it possible for people who aren't able to go all the way over to Israel to still get some great teaching so, the, so i mean yeah.
1: that's that's one of the benefits of the pandemic in a way it forced a lot of companies organizations churches universities to, to think a little bit outside of the box uh, in some cases. And, and I know that many universities were already doing online education before the pandemic. So, uh, but, but for us, it, it forced us to think a little bit beyond what we were uh, used to or accustomed to. So we are offering classes online, which, as you said, is an outstanding way to continue education, uh, focused on learning more about the land. And our professors in our online courses are all people who have had Ample and extensive experience living in the land or in the land of Egypt or Jordan, somewhere in the Middle East, and they are equipped and prepared to share their own life experiences as well as the information that they have spent years studying, researching. And so we have some really remarkable opportunities, and we open the doors up to students to just audit these classes. So you don't need, you might be a, a continuing education student that doesn't necessarily need any credit toward an academic program, our classes are still for you. I'm teaching a class right now called Cultural Backgrounds of the Bible, and I have 21 students. And actually, 20 of the students are only auditing the class, and they're all eager and passionate to do the readings, to tune into the lectures, and to participate in the course discussions. And they're able to, you know, the the audit fee is much less than a uh, credit-seeking student. Would have to pay for the credit that they would put toward their transcript, so it's it's a great opportunity. I mean, I would recommend this to anybody. And we have four classes so far lined up for the spring. Uh, they begin the first week of February, and you can register for those classes all the way up through mid January. You'll need to apply to JUC. The application process is not too extensive, and then you just simply register for an audit class. And the four classes that we're offering in the spring are all classes that I wish I had the time to take, but I don't. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a junkie for learning. Uh, it's really hard to, to run a university, Rich, and then want to take every class at the university. It's, it's, it's a conflict of interest sometimes yeah. for me. Uh, but the four classes we're offering, one is called Archaeology of the Galilee. That'll be what? co-taught. Yeah, isn't that great? That's Ar- awesome. Archaeology of the Galilee. So. It's co-taught by two, two great instructors, uh, Dr. Chris McKinney and Dr. Kyle Keimer. They're on our website. You can go check out their profiles. And both excavating in the land for over a decade, tremendous experience. And the way they like to teach their class, they co-teach it together, and they often bring in guests from the field who are you know chief archaeologists at various sites, and they interview them and build a really robust learning environment for students to kind of uh, engage in, in study and study and, and interact with so that's a great class uh, there's another class called the uh, the literature of Israel's of ancient Israel's neighbors and it's a wow. comparative analysis of all the different types of narratives poetry historical analogs letters a variety of genres of texts that help inform the way we can understand genre in the Bible and texts that are both in the Old Testament primarily, but also in the New Testament, and that is taught by Dr. Brian Beyer, who is a longtime professor from Columbia International University in Old Testament. He is the author of the Encountering Old Testament uh, series books, and he is also the board chairman of Jerusalem University College, so I'm excited. He, he serves in a lot of ways for the university. Should I keep, should I keep going, Rich?
0: This I, I'm amazed right now. Like I am, I am. Just, <laughs> I'm sitting here going, the, just those two classes and archaeology of the Galilee, friends. I, I was just back up in the Galilee again, and I could not believe how much archaeology is being done just in that region. I was blown away. Like there, there is discussion of of places that we thought were somewhere else that people have found new locations for. It's it's crazy. I mean, that class right there just gets me excited. And then literature of Israel's neighbors, like that's, I mean, that plays into everything when we're studying is the context of those around uh, the Hebrew people. So these, these are some great classes.
1: And and that, you know, the last class, uh, I think it's so important for us when we read scripture to understand what the intent is yeah. with the writer. And the writer is not writing in a vacuum, but writing in a cultural matrix of Neighbors in the ancient world, and he is drawing on various themes or uh, ways and methods of describing a situation, and so we—it's informative for us to process that and to read scripture against that backdrop. Uh, The archaeology of the Bible course, one of the things that's or archaeology of the Galilee course is, it's. It's going to open up your eyes. Like you had just said, Rich, it's going to open up your eyes and anybody else who's taking that class to brand new discoveries that are being made Mm -hmm. uh, within the last six to 12 months. Sometimes even things that haven't necessarily hit Bar Magazine yet, um, although we're usually right in in step with Bar, uh, who are our good friends. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a tremendous course. And the other two courses, I'm really excited. So my predecessor, Dr. Paul Wright, the author of uh, The Illustrated Guide to Biblical Geography, a tremendous book that was published in 2020. Dr. Paul Wright was a professor here and also the president for over 20 years at the school. He lived here in Jerusalem for that long. He is teaching a course called The Geographical Voices of Psalms, or in the the Psalter. And he's going to look at all the different uh, elements in the Psalms, and how we can interpret them and understand the themes that jump out through the geography that's embedded throughout the Psalter, and also Psalms that might be outside of the Psalter, such as songs or hymns like in Exodus, where Miriam sings her song, things like that. So there's all kinds of geography to look at and to understand that can shape the way we preach or teach uh, others in our Bible studies or classrooms or uh, congregation. So I think that'll be a terrific course, and then the uh, fourth course that will be offered is a staple in our curriculum, taught yep. by one of our. Uh, it's our flagship course that we have been offering online because the person who teaches it, Chandler Collins, is a remarkable teacher, very knowledgeable of the land. Lived here for over uh, four years. And spent time teaching this course both in residence and online. It's called Physical Settings of the Bible. It is an amazing course that really helps you understand at a deep level the terrain, geography, uh, and the, the climate of this region and how it shapes both the Old and New Testament writers and their narratives. So if you like historical geography and you want to go deeper, that is a tremendous course to register for as well. And our courses are all designed to, to give you deep insight and glimpses into the Holy land through imagery, video and things like that. They are all live. Uh, we are going to experiment, I think in the spring with an asynchronous course, one of them, uh, to be determined still, but, um, our courses are all live and we seek to schedule the courses that are, uh, favorable for our North American audience. So I, I really hope, uh, I hope these courses serve as a blessing and springboard for ministries and teachers of the word in their own life and work uh, and it serves as an edifying principle for them.
0: You know I've got a, I've got a friend who's been doing some course these courses online and what's really fun is I've been to Israel a lot. I've had a, a lot of experience in Israel. I've read a ton of books and I just remember not so long ago, she's sitting there and she starts asking me some questions and and, uh, thoughts of mine on a certain subject. And I was like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. And she's like, Oh, I got this from this class I was taking. So then she passed me the, the video so I could watch it. And I was like, Whoa, like this was, this was some incredible content and stuff I had never even thought about. So, uh, I'm I'm blown away just on what you guys are putting out because I'm watching it and some friends who are doing it right now and yeah I I need to take these courses is basically what it comes down to as well I, so I
1: honestly think that for some of the some of the listeners of your podcast Rich I, I don't know what their walk of life is or background but I, I I make the assumption and and I I hate making assumptions but I make the assumption a lot of uh, the folk who tune in are people who've gone on a GTI trip perhaps yep. connected through. A parachurch ministry or a church ministry. And I imagine that many people listening are probably involved in some way, shape, or form with Bible study. And I think about some of these courses like uh, the, the geography of the Psalms, the geographical voices of the Psalms. I wonder about a course like that being a great tool for a church to use or a community to use and tune in. And, you know, it's not going to come necessarily with the discussion questions and things like that, but a facilitator could easily draw upon the lecture, the material, the teachings, the readings, and build a really, I think, rich and engaging and invigorating uh, follow-up for people who are engaged in deep Bible study, meaningful Bible study that that is uh, academic in a way, but also uh, also deeply enriching to the soul.
0: I think that's a great idea. and And friends, if you're listening, if you're a pastor or a leader out there, And you want more information, we'll have it in the show notes or get a hold of me. And I, I, I know somebody at JUC, I'll connect you with them. So (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Now you and I, before the show, we're talking a little bit about something else you guys are offering, uh, the JUC online seminar, and it was called explore the gap stories in context. What is that all about? And what's, what makes that different from the classes?
1: So a great question. One of the things that's really important to us is we want to create something that doesn't cost anybody money, that's free, uh, and it's educational.
0: Did you just say and it's free?
1: It's free. It's free. This is a free event. We've we've had offered it now. This will be our third year, and it is free. We don't want to charge people for this. We know that for seminars and conferences, we probably could, but this is one of those things. That I firmly believe we we need to give back and not only give back, but create an opportunity for people to learn about who we are, what we do, hear from some of our dynamic professors in case they're trying to figure out where they're going next in life. And maybe JUC is part of that story. So we offer this, we're gonna offer it in the first weekend of February. Don't worry, it's not Super Bowl weekend, it's Pro Bowl <laughs> weekend, okay? I know the Pro Bowl is super important for many people, but it's, it's uh, I'm sure you can tune into this conference at the same time. It's, there are some dynamic uh, scholars and also great speakers who in some way, shape, or form have been affiliated with our university, and uh, either they were a graduate of our university, or they are currently teaching for our university, or they're a major supporter of our university. And so some of those names include people like Dr. John Walton who is a professor at Wheaton College. He's written lots of books on the context of Scripture and how to read uh, Scripture in its context. I'm really excited about him. He's going to be talking about the Tower of Babel. And we have other presentations being given by uh, Brad Gray. Nice. I know that many, probably of your listeners, have tuned into Brad Gray's. Uh, work and podcast he's uh isn't he he instructs for Gti I believe right
0: yeah he runs multiple trips a year so that's walking the text uh who he's been on our podcast multiple times
1: so Brad gray is an alum of the school and I've gotten to know him a little bit and I'm a huge fan i, I as you know of gti and and you know anytime we are able to launch out uh, an alumni who is able to to serve another ministry like gti that's that's good. That's kingdom work happening. I think it's great, and I'm so excited that Brad has agreed to to be a part of it. He's going to teach on a New Testament. He had he had several topics at the last email we had, so I don't know what his final topic will be, but he's one of the presenters. We have Dr. Elaine Phillips, who just recently retired from Gordon, but she's got uh, more energy than you could ever imagine, and uh, she's going to offer a dynamic lecture as well from an, uh, a narrative in the Old Testament. And other professors include Dr. Jack Beck, who's one of our, uh, which is one of our most. Well, we have several popular instructors, but Jack Beck is he he writes for da- our daily bread. He's a key uh, figure in a couple other ministries. He's also an alum of our school. Uh, really excited about what he's going to share, and and so there's that just names a few. There's others you have to check out uh, the the our website to see the rest in the list. But this is going to be February third and fourth. It's going to be Friday evening. Uh, North American audience time, and Saturday morning. And we're really looking forward to just giving people a deep dive into exploring the gap. And the question that we could probably ask is, what does that mean, the gap? Uh, it's kind of a theme we've we've been really thinking about as a university. There is a, a gap between myself and and, uh, and the biblical world where the text first took root and manifested. Now, the gap is not critical to me knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior and having a relationship with him, but sometimes the gap is a bit critical in terms of making sense and understanding the meaning of the text. And I don't want to try to minimize the Holy Spirit's role in that. The Holy Spirit can do all kinds of things and illuminate us the way we need a text to be illuminated, but there. Are a lot of resources out there that I think the Holy Spirit has provided us with to learn more about bridging the gap and entering into the ancient world, the original context, in an effort to uh, see as clearly as we can the meaning of a text and understand its relevance for our lives today. And that's one of the reasons we exist as a school. We want to do this for, we want to create space for students to dive in and understand. How to Bridge the Gap. And so we're doing that this year by exploring stories in their context. Uh, And and I'm really excited about it. And it's free in case I didn't mention that. And we hope you'll sign up and register. We've had typically about 2,000 people register for the conference in the past. Uh, It's a lot of fun. And I will will be hosting. So if you want to see me at 2 a.m. my time local, uh, I will be live hosting from Jerusalem the conference. Uh, it 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 could be it could be just interesting to see me at two a.m.
0: <laughs> I hope you have your coffee ready. I'll have all kinds of things ready: coffee and
1: and uh, espresso. It's gonna be it's gonna be great.
0: Well, friends, I hope you check that out. This these are some great resources. That's why one of the reasons why I love having the JUC crew just on. Um, our podcast often is because we want to give you great, just great resources. And this is one of those resources that I couldn't speak more highly of. Again, we just mentioned Brad Gray's name. There have been multiple people from the GTI side who have all gone to JUC. And in the past, you had to go there to be able to, to get these this resource. Uh, I'm just amazed now at what's available to people. And if you can go live there, that's the way to go but if you can't get over
1: Absolutely. there,
0: then this is a great option. And then if there's a free seminar, why not? I mean, that's speaking to all of my West Michigan friends uh, who love things for free. Like We we all love a good deal over here. So uh, th- this is great. So thanks, thanks for bringing those to us. And I hope people will take advantage of it.
1: You're welcome. It's a team effort. A lot of our faculty dive in and, and give their time to this. It's, uh, and our staff give their time to this. It's it's our joy to be able to give this. And uh, it's, again, something we feel is very important. It's our mission as a school to help people deepen their understanding of Scripture. That is why we're here. And this is one of the ways we can do that in a cost-effective manner for uh, for those in the world.
0: Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about the couple of things we we're going to go over. And and one of the things I, I talked about was Sabbath. And Sabbath is, it's something that you read about all the time. I mean, I've been reading about Sabbath and learning about Sabbath just from going to church and all these different things for a long time. But every time I go to Israel, I'm confronted with this moment of maybe I don't know it as well as I think I do, or maybe I don't do it the way I should. I'm I'm always convicted by the fact that it seems like Israel, at least even the modern state of Israel has this rhythm of Sabbath. And even if it's not for spiritual reasons, I look at it and go, wow, I really could benefit from what my friends are doing over there. I, I've got, you know, secular Jewish friends who are, are doing Sabbath. And I, and I feel like it's super healthy, just the family aspect that they, they put into it. Uh, but even from a spiritual side, like that's what God's designed it for. So I, I was, Chatting with you a little bit about maybe talking us through Sabbath, uh, a little bit about what it's about historically, maybe how you guys practice it there as a family and as a school, uh, and, and just maybe encouraging us with this idea of Sabbath.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, I'll just be honest with you as well, Rich. I am not somebody who does the Sabbath well on a regular basis. And, it, it, like you said, it is convicting a bit to to watch uh, what happens on the Shabbat. Uh, and I think our university can struggle with it as well, but we have tried uh, to we, we believe it's important. so we have tried to observe it and to enjoy it actually, or maybe dare I even say to celebrate it. And I you know just a bit of history, you know the Shabbat, it, it's the day the, the word Shabbat means to rest in Hebrew. it's a verb. So the day itself, Shabbat, is a reminder of this verb in Hebrew of to cease and rest and desist. And what are we ceasing from? Well, we we turn our attention to God who instilled this and created it. He created the Shabbat as a day of rest after his six days of creative work. And we watch God really do some amazing things over the course of those six days as he puts together the creation, the cosmos, and all that we enjoy. And he infuses it with such brilliance and reproduction that it is able to sustain itself and and, and move into perpetuity uh, in a good way. It's good. God says everything is good. And then he makes the Sabbath and he stops. He ceases from his work and he pauses and and rests. And he instills that for all of us. He commands us in the Torah to to cease, to rest. And in fact, every holiday, like Yom Kippur is coming up here for me, I don't know when you'll all listen to this, but October, early October is when Yom Kippur is this year, and it will be a high holy day, a solemn Sabbath. The entire city, the entire country is going to shut down. There will be no driving on any road. The entire highway system pauses. The roads stop. Nothing can happen. No tour group will be here moving around. You can't. It is enforced by the government here. Yom Kippur is the highest of high holy days, the most solemn day. It is the moment of doing business with God, and a Sabbath accompanies it. A Sabbath will also accompany the other holidays, like Pesach or Sukkot. And it's this idea of we're going to start off this holiday with a pause and a ceasing of all of our regular, mundane, profane work, whether it's I'm a garbage collector or I'm a lawyer or I'm a teacher or I'm running a classroom as a professor. We cease. And it's this moment of like exhale of just I don't have to do anything. And then breathing. Now the question is, what do we do on the Sabbath to make it a day of rest, a day of ceasing? And I, I don't know about you, Rich, but I grew up in a very traditional, uh, so, you know, a very traditional Christian home where Sunday was, you know, the day of rest. And my parents were very strict about what I was allowed to do and not allowed to do. I don't know, did you have a similar experience growing up, or was it a little different?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, there was a respect for it. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Like I would say it was probably the the same. We didn't do the things my other friends did on Sundays.
1: And so, so I think that raises the next question that we want to ask when God tells us we shouldn't do any work on this day and that we should just enjoy and rest and remember a lot of it is about remembering that you know you read in the Torah that the Shabbat is a moment to remember that it is the God of Israel who has brought you and redeemed you out of slavery so there's this is a, a time set aside to remember and to celebrate even what God is doing or has done as we rest and it's a day of joy it is a day of reflection it is a day where i no longer am relying on my own strength to make the things grow around me, but I'm, a tru- I'm trusting that God will allow it to continue moving forward in progress and sustain. I love Chick-fil-A. I think Chick-fil-A uh, has really, the, the leadership of Chick-fil-A has taken this to an extreme. I don't think any business in America that I know of has ever done. They don't open their stores for one day a week. They let yeah. every single employee and component rest. From the store itself, to the employee, to the leader, and they rest. And they they don't care about making an extra profit on that day because they could. A lot of people are off on the weekend looking for a Chick-fil-A sandwich with some yeah, Chick-fil-A exactly.
0: sauce. I mean, how um, many times have I shown up, you know... Toward, driving towards Chick-fil-A and been like, oh yeah, it's Sunday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what are you? But I love, I actually love it. And uh, I've read somewhere that Chick-fil-A ha- has actually found a deeper level of success uh, in their, in their environment, in their culture, in their work ethic. And anytime I meet a Chick-fil-A employee, I'm always amazed at who they are, their spirit, their quality. And I wonder, I, I, I truly wonder sometimes if keeping the Sabbath and observing it has some added benefit to the rest of your week, the rest of your life, uh, in terms of the culture that's being created around you and the dynamic of how you live in community with with your family and and others. So a couple things, you know, I wanna I wanna highlight a text. So is it okay if I, I highlight a text that is Oh, please, please. Someone once shared this with me about the Sabbath, and I, it's, it has stuck with me. It's in my notes. I pull it out whenever I think about the Sabbath. But this is in Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, I'm going to start at verse 13. There is some really striking language here about Sabbath. You know, for, for ages, the debate has, has run its course about what is work and what is not, because you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. So, so is it work for me to go mow my lawn? Is it work for me to go and volunteer uh, at a soup kitchen on the Shabbat? What is work and what is not? And I don't know if we can answer that right now because there's been so many conversations over the years, but in rabbinic circles and the Midrash have all talked about it. There is all kinds of literature that has discussed over the history of Judaism what is work. But I love this passage because I think it has some insight for us. Verse 13, it says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Shabbat and from doing as you please on my holy day. So I'll stop right there. This is God speaking. My holy day. So it's just, it's, it belongs to God. God wants to enjoy this day with his kids. He's asking them to stop their feet from breaking the Shabbat. Stop doing as you please. So what's one of the perhaps parameters for, for Shabbat? It's maybe less of a day where I do whatever I, whatever pleases me, and it's perhaps more of a day where I'm thinking about or reflecting on what might be pleasing to God. And I think that that's, that's a really important component right there because I think sometimes we think the Shabbat is about doing whatever I want to do whatever is good for me and my family. That might be true to an extent, but it is important that we run those things maybe by God and ask God, what do you want us to do on your holy day? Is it permissible to go and veg out on the beach uh, with my family? And God might say blessings on that. I, I made that beach just for you to enjoy on this Shabbat day. But I do think how we go about enjoying the Shabbat involves a relationship. With God and discussing with God how it is he might have us enjoy his presence, enjoy being with him in a cognizant way on that beautiful rest. The passage continues So if you keep your feet from breaking the Shabbat and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Shabbat a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way, again, there's that language and do not and not doing as you please or speaking idle words. So there's a lot of language here about, is this about me or is this about God? That's one of the questions we want to ask about how we practice the Shabbat. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. So get that. If we make this less about me, but more about me with God, we will find Joy in the Lord, verse 14. And God says, I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land. That sounds pretty awesome. I don't even know what that means. But ride in triumph and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. So, what do we do on the Shabbat? If we do this well, there's going to be joy, there's going to be riding, and there's going to be feasting. There's going to be joy, there's going to be riding. And there's going to be feasting. What that exactly looks like, other than the feasting part, I can tell you right now, (laughs) is enjoying some food. Drink some food with your family, with your friends. Some laughter, perhaps. Some thankfulness that God has given you this, this pause. The rest of the reading is all about how we can trail away from God to do what is most interesting to us. It's about sin. It's about uh, our own ways that can be violent sometimes. It's about our own ways of uh, missing justice and moving in the direction of lacking integrity. And it goes on and on in chapter 59, all about all of these things that we can be guilty of. And in essence, we can become people who just focus on ourselves, our own personal gain, And these are the offenses that, in essence, are rebelling against God. And I think there's a juxtaposition here where God is inviting us into his presence to enjoy him on this day of rest and what he has made versus our own conniving, uh, hustle, struggle to make things go to make progress happen. I think God's saying, no, no, stop. You you actually don't have to teach anymore. You don't have to invest anymore. Just stop. Take a breath and look up to the sky. Say a prayer. Listen and be with those around you who are your community and celebrate the Shabbat together through rest and remember to focus on joy, riding, and feasting. This is what God invites us to do. And not only that, but give the Shabbat to everyone around you. Yeah. I love, and this is where, you know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about you shouldn't have your daughter, your your female or male workers, your ox, your donkey, anybody doing any work. And this is where Chick-fil-A, I think, is really following what the Torah says. And so I give them a lot of credit because it's not easy in a world that says get more, make more, be bigger. Be more present. Chick-fil-A says, no, actually, I'm not going the way of the world, which often invites us to go our own way. In fact, they're living out Isaiah 58. They're saying, no, we're going to make this about God, and we're going to rest on this day. We're going to shut it down. And so I love what Jesus says because when Jesus shows up, he says, listen, disciples, there might be times where you're picking some grain on a Sunday or a Saturday on the Shabbat. And then he teaches them that Shabbat, that, that man is, is made for this made mm-hmm. for the Shabbat Shabbat's not made for the man man's made for the Shabbat to be present in it to rest in it and I think that's a key lesson for us to take away and to remember that we are here to enjoy that gift that gift that Jesus gives us and so here at JUC, what do we do every Friday it's beautiful everybody gets dressed up because we want to feast we want to feast and we want to look good. So we get together. We wear our finest. Everybody shows up at six o'clock on the dot in the dining hall. <laughs> the candles are lit by the ladies in, in the, in the, at the tables. And we start to recite some blessings over one another. It is a beautiful, slow progression of, of being thankful for one another. I will, as the leader, speak blessings over those around me. And we invite God to bless us. We bless God for things that he's given to us. And we thank God for the ways he's provided for us. One of my favorite times of the meal is when we bless God for two elements. And we see Jesus doing this as well in, in, in his time on earth. But we bless God for the, the juice or the wine, fruit from the ground. And we say a blessing in Hebrew that goes like this. Baruch atah Melak haolam borei prihagafen. Blessed is the Lord our God, King of the Universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And at that point, it's just silent, with everybody taking a gulp of the juice—cold, refreshing juice. We don't drink wine at the Shabbat, although some people can, um, and we don't necessarily discourage it. We just don't do it on campus. And then we—then the next part is my kid's favorite part, and it's every kid's favorite part because it's like this amazing gooey honey challah bread yeah. uh, and and they start to unwrap it and just a quiet pause and ceasing falls over the room and everybody passes the loaf of bread around and they tear off a piece and then together we say the blessing for the bread that comes from the earth blessed is the Lord our God King of the universe who brings forth Bread from the earth. So, in our Shabbat liturgy, which we've pulled from other Jewish uh, communities in their Shabbat liturgy, in our Shabbat liturgy, we pause to thank God for fruit from the vine, and we pause to thank God for bread from the earth, and we progress into a beautiful meal of blessing one another, of laughter, of joy. And we are in triumph in that moment. It is a beautiful moment. I've never seen anybody leave Shabbat upset. The the Shabbat meal ends with everyone congregating, lingering, getting ready to just ride out the rest of the Shabbat. It starts on Friday night and ends on Saturday night. They're getting ready to ride out into the rest of that day in triumph after feasting and a joyous time. Isaiah 58, we all try to not go our own way, which might be to hit the books again which might be to you know get up early and 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 try to analyze the the numbers of the business to see how we can can shave it down or make make better profits nope we leave all that to god and we rest and we take care of what's most important our soul the souls of those around us as we do this together we enjoy one another And it's a time where our attention is looking into the eyes of another. It's a moment where our attention is looking into the eyes of another. So that's how we do Shabbat here. Shabbat has been a practice for me and my family. We try to celebrate. We try to celebrate and find joyous things like dancing. (laughs) We have danced before on the Shabbat. Uh, We like to listen to music and have dance parties in my home. Mm -hmm. We have found ways to uh, enjoy one another through maybe playing some games, uh, definitely feasting. We have tried to enjoy one another by just laying in the grass and looking up into the sky and stopping. And it's, it's a moment of true rest and relaxation that really prepares us to live out our calling for the rest of the week, pursuing justice, pursuing love, pursuing grace, having the ability to forgive those around us, I think all of those are contingent on whether or not we've made the Shabbat about the one who is and gives life to all who turn their attention to him. So that's, that's, that's my message on Shabbat. That's some thoughts on Shabbat. I don't know if you have questions beyond that, Rich, but uh, that's, it's, a, it's a rich practice, and I'm with you. I'm trying to make it a discipline in my own life uh, and all around me in Israel, everybody does stop and there's a cessation, which is a beautiful reminder. Uh, whether they're stopping for the right reasons or not is not me to judge or even figure out. It's just a nice reminder that I should stop too.
0: That that was amazing. Friends, I, Friends, I hope you'll take in what we just heard. And one of the things that just stands out to me in the whole thing is to, sh- to, to celebrate too to just get excited for the coming of Shabbat and then to rest and to be with people and to welcome people into our homes and to share, to share the good news of what we have. And I think so often, at least for me, I just continue to to look for that extra day to get caught up. I'm looking for that extra moment to get things ready so that I'm ready, ready to get back to work and, and be more caught up than I was before. And the whole idea about Shabbat is, like you just talked about, rest and celebration and family, and that man, man was made for Shabbat. Like I love that that statement. Like that uh, yeah, God Jesus, created this. For it, us.
1: It's. I think it's. I think it's so fascinating what Jesus says. So Jesus is in this conversation with uh, some of the scribes, and they are they are getting on him about what he's doing on the Shabbat. And there's all kinds of discussions Jesus has. Is it okay for me to do right or wrong on the Shabbat? Should I heal or not heal? And he's, it's a constant, you know, the answer is yes. You're supposed to heal. You're supposed to do good things on the Shabbat. And then Jesus says this brilliant statement in the Gospels. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I think that's critical. And it's, it's striking me right now, Rich, as I'm thinking about it. The Sabbath is a gift. I think sometimes we read that the Sabbath was made for man. And I know I've taken my own life and I've thought to myself, well, that means that I I'll take the Sabbath when I need it. You know, it was made for me. I'll take it when I need it. Um, And I don't always need it every six days. Well, I'm not sure that's the right way. I'm not sure that's the way Jesus wanted us to think about it. I'm not sure. I think Jesus is just reminding everybody, look, this is like a beautiful gift that God has given to you. How you enjoy it is what's important. Right now, he's speaking to these Jewish scribes and law keepers, and they have gotten into a legalistic way of keeping the Sabbath, and they have locked themselves in to a point where man is now built for the Sabbath. And that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus says, no, it's a gift. Sabbath was made for you. It wasn't the other way around. Sabbath was made as a gift for you to enjoy. So don't miss it. You miss it when you lock yourself into rules and regulations that strip you of the joy, strip you of the feasting, and strip you of the riding. Don't get locked in to the rules. Remember, it's a gift to rest and enjoy God, and it's offered freely for us to accept freely.
0: Friends, I hope you'll take that in. I hope that uh, this podcast has been convicting because it has been for me. Uh, Our desire is that you continue to grow in the knowledge and love of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And yeah, I just I hope that as you go into this next week, you'll be thinking Sabbath and how you can celebrate it and how you can rest in it and that you can just enjoy the gift of what it is and yeah, I'm going to be doing that with my family. I, I am I, looking I'm right forward to trying to do that. I'm better. right there
1: with you, Rich. I, you know, this past weekend, and and I feel like I, I resonate with you. You know, we've talked about this. It, we feel like we can always be go, 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 and we live in a culture where there's a soccer game every day, there's a basketball game every day. We we run ragged with you know chasing our kids around. We want them to have a great life. Uh, we want them to be engaged, and, and if we're not careful. Our, our whole life might be ravaged before our eyes in, in a slow drain that none of us can, can see happening right away in real time but I think the Sabbath is that reminder for us like it's a gift and a reminder of like hey just come and take my yoke upon me Jesus says mm-hmm. yeah. my burden is light and just be with me just be with me and, and rest and I'm gonna next time I talk with you Rich you have full permission to ask me if I'm taking if I am enjoying the gift of the Sabbath Uh, on a routine and regular basis and uh and i'll do the same for you
0: i would love that well friends we hope you've enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to having you on the next one Uh, dr hersey thanks so much for taking the time all the way from from jerusalem to chat with us
1: Uh, It's my pleasure i always enjoy it
0: all right until the next podcast friends take care We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. For more information on upcoming GTI study tours, please find us on the web at www.gtitours.org.